0: Hey, hello friends and welcome to this message which is specially hand-picked to minister to you and to bless you. I am Pastor Lincoln Seranga, Senior Pastor here at Liberty Christian Fellowship in London. My passion is the pursuit of 100% answered prayer. If that sounds like a good subject to you, why don't you follow me at LincolnSeranga.com and also find me on Facebook, Twitter. Instagram and other social media where you will be able to find other messages as well as find access to short courses, coaching opportunities and more. God bless you as you listen to this message. My subject today is um, if Christ is risen, if Christ is risen, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) You see, it starts with the dispute of his resurrection. Today, we that know and love him know that he is alive, not as a ghost, because ghosts (laughs) are a sense in which um, uh, people who have crossed over to the other side can still be celebrated as alive, as spirits. But Jesus is not alive merely as a spirit. Jesus rose from the grave. He picked up his body, collected it out of the tomb by the power of God, and he is alive. And his resurrection has great ramifications. It has implications that we must consider this Easter Sunday. If Jesus rose from the dead, if Jesus is alive, what does it mean for us? And you see, as I pondered on this question, uh, if Jesus is risen, then what? There are things that the Bible says that uh, we need to consider as a consequence. But first of all, I want you to, to understand and to appreciate how much effort went into trying to prove he did not rise. It was a whole campaign, a whole strategy to destroy the amazing news that Jesus is and was alive. We see in Matthew chapter 27, and I want us to read quite extendedly here. I'm going to ask Marvin to cast out verse uh, 62 uh, to 65 of Matthew 27. Uh, It says, on the next day, and I think we read this uh, earlier, it says on the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees, let me just make sure that you can follow me on these ones. Yeah, On the next day, it says, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to pilot. What for? Saying, sir, we remember while he was still alive, how that deceiver, Jesus is called the deceiver. (laughs) And we know where that name belongs. It belongs on the devil, not on Jesus. But they say, we know how that deceiver said that after three days I will rise. Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead, so the last deception will be worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, you have a guard, go your way, make it as secure as you know how. Make it as secure as you know how. Uh Uh-huh. Next. We have a next. I don't know that I gave you a next there. Uh, So they went, that's actually 66. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting a guard. Ha! my goodness. This is like the movies. (laughs) Like when the hero is just wiped out and they make sure there is no chance. Of him returning. Remember that when he died, a spear was plunged through his side to ensure he's dead. Now that he's buried, a seal is put on the tomb and a guard is posted to ensure he remains dead and buried. But you know what follows after that. Matthew 28, verse 1 uh, to 7 follows after that. Now, after the Sabbath, After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. And what happened to the guards? His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards... (laughs) And the gods shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Mm -hmm. And the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. And we declare this morning, he is not there. He is not here. He is risen as he said, Come. See the place where the Lord lay. That is the powerful story of this. And verse 11 to 15 is where you see the conspiracy continuing even. (laughs) Can you imagine how stubborn the human race can be? After these guys are terrified by the presence of the angel, they fall on the ground, they shake, and they are left as dead. Listen to what follows. Now, while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. Next. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying to them, his disciples saying, tell them, his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. Mm. And if this comes to the governor's ears, he will, we will appease him and make you secure. Mm? So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Well, one of the proofs of the resurrection is actually that very arrangement because in the Roman uh, the training of Roman soldiers, Roman soldiers do not default at duty. They do not sleep when they are on guard. It does not even stand. You do not stand a chance. They would have been slaughtered, they would have been killed. This actually is one of the proofs of Christ's resurrection that there would have been no chance. Of these guys saying we slept at duty and and they live to see the next day. Mm -hmm. But there it is. There's this ongoing conspiracy to kill the resurrection story. (laughs) To kill the resurrection story. And there are some people out there who do not believe that Jesus is alive. But we have a different testimony. We testify that he is alive. And the chief priests and the Pharisees went to extremes to try and snuff out this story. And I was actually recognizing that they were quite out of pocket by the end of Easter week and the resurrection uh, time because, number one, they paid Judas 30 pieces of silver that came out of the coffers of, uh, of the temple. And now they say a large sum of money. <laughs> a large sum of money. These guys were signing checks. They were signing checks to ensure the story of the resurrection does not go out. And you know, 30 pieces of silver, I I went out hunting. I said, exactly what is the value of 30 pieces of silver? And uh, uh, different scholars uh, uh, create different um, uh, suppositions because there were different types of silver in those days. And not all silver had the same value. We are not sure what type of coin was paid to Judas. But estimates range from $90 to up to, what was that? $3,000. Possible. It was possible that Judas's hole was about $3,000 worth of silver. And now, after the resurrection, they are cashing out more. They were well out of pocket and <laughs> trying to extinguish this resurrection story. And I tell you, friends, it is inex. Extinguishable. You cannot, you cannot extinguish the reality that the grave is empty. And my wife and I were privileged to visit both claimed sites of um, of Jesus's burial and resurrection. Uh, one in the um, in the um, Catholic uh, Church, and then what is now most pop- more popularly agreed to probably be the one because right there uh, above it is this um, um, huge rock formation, which has the the, 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 um, the, the the appearance of a skull, and it's most probably Golgotha, which actually, as you know, the words of that is the place of the skull, the place of the skull, and right there is an empty tomb, and I was privileged to walk into that tomb, oh my goodness, imagine walking into that tomb and just standing there, preserved, and you can see where the the, the stone Rolls to cover the mouth of that grave. Incredible, my friends. Jesus is alive now. In um, in in Jewish, in uh, the the thirty pieces of silver that Jesus was sold for was the price of a slave. Uh, it shows in the book of Exodus. Uh, it's, it's just you can just see how how demeaning this was. That when an ox uh, gored. And killed a slave, the owners of the ox had to pay 30 pieces of silver to the owner. And Jesus, um, the price that was put on his life for you and me was the price of a slave. That was how good the Pharisees and the chief priests were. They put the price of a slave on our Lord and Savior. But we all know that his death was priceless for us. There is no amount. That we could put on that. So, if Jesus is risen, then what? What are the implications of that? If there is forensic, empirical evidence that our Lord lives, where does it leave us? Just a few thoughts as we contemplate. I just want to share five of them and rest my case. Number one if Jesus is raised from the dead, then God raises the dead. It's a clear sign. God raises the dead. Not that resurrections in the Bible start with the story of Jesus. They don't, actually. There is a total of 10 resurrection stories in the Bible. 10. And I want to run through those before I settle down and finish this this point. Number one, the widow of Zarephath. The first uh, resurrection story is... The son of the widow of Zarephath in the story of Elijah, and uh, we are not going to go and read through this, but if you want to write 1 Kings 17, verse 17 to 24, the widow of Zarephath uh, loses her son. Remember, the widow of Zarephath um, uh, loses her boy, and uh, the, the widow of Zarephath, Elijah, raises her son back to life he lay down upon the dead body three times. My goodness, how scary is that? (laughs) Some of us won't even look at a dead body. But Elijah raises, and I just was celebrating as I was reading this. This was the first resurrection in the scriptures. The widow of Zarephath, her son, is raised by Elijah. And I am thinking, my goodness, what a feat, what a... What an accomplishment to have had to raise the first dead person ever. (laughs) The ministry of Elijah the prophet. What an incredible, amazing demonstration of faith. And he didn't have a pattern to follow. And he lay down upon the boy three times. And I don't know uh, what happened between the three times, whether he would pray and then do it. And then the boy was raised from the dead. The second one is the Shunammite woman's son. You remember the Shunammite woman? Pastor Grace recently preached for us here and explained that miracle and how the Shunammite woman creates with her husband a room for the prophet Elisha. And then she conceives out of uh, having provided for them. And then the boy dies and Elisha goes to raise that boy from the dead. Thankfully, he had heard the story of Elijah. <laughs> he sends Gehazi, Gehazi with a, with a, with a, a staff to, to put place it upon the boy, and nothing happened. But Elijah was coming. Elisha was coming behind him, and the Bible says he goes into that room, and he laid himself upon the boy, just like Elijah had done. <laughs> Lays himself upon the boy, mouth to mouth. Eyes to eyes, hands to hands. How scary is that? And then the Bible says the boy's body warmed up and then he sneezed seven times. (laughs) And he was alive. Resurrection. That's the second resurrection. number three is the dead soldier thrown into Elisha's tomb. Do you remember that story? When the Moabites attack Israel and the funeral is interrupted during that time of war and a man is thrown into the grave of Elisha. And Elisha says, no, 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 no. This place is occupied. Uh, (laughs) This is my grave. Out you go, get out of here. So the guy comes back to life, stands up in the grave, and the story goes around how this funeral procession had turned into a resurrection story. Hallelujah. God raises the dead. God raises the dead, my friends. So the resurrection of Jesus is not a first. God raises the dead. The resurrection of Jesus is special. But God had been in the resurrection business already. That story I just uh, recited is 2 Kings thirteen twenty to 21. The next one is Jesus. So we have three resurrections in the Old Testament. And then Jesus raises a widow's son at Nain, Luke chapter 7, verse 11 to 17. And Jesus stops a funeral, if you remember, outside of the city. He stops a funeral procession. He touches the coffin. Everybody stops because he saw the widow weeping, and he touched the coffin. And then he gave the order, and that man sat up in his coffin and began to speak. That's Luke 7, 11 to 17. And then from there, we go to Jairus' daughter. Remember Jairus' daughter. Jairus wants to take Jesus home to heal the daughter. And as they are going, news comes by his servants to say, Hey, leave the master alone. The girl has died. And Jesus tells him, Do not doubt. Just believe. And he continued that journey. And what would have been a healing miracle became a resurrection miracle. That is Luke chapter 8 verse 49. fifty-eight, God raises the dead He raises sons He raises daughters He raises the young He raises the old Lazarus is our next story, John 11 verse 1 to 44 This one is the most popular resurrection story perhaps Jesus stands outside of the tomb of Lazarus and says Lazarus, come forth and the man who was dead came back alive. And uh, the seventh one, this is the seventh one, is the resurrection of Jesus himself. And then uh, on the day that Jesus dies, if you remember, there was a mass resurrection. There was a mass resurrection. This is Matthew 27, verse 50 to 54. God raises the dead. It is across scripture that death has no power over the glorious name and majesty of our God. God raises the dead. When Jesus says it is finished, the Bible says there was an earthquake. Both his resurrection and his death were attended to by a cataclysmic movement of tectonic plates. The earth was shaken. Dimensions were riveted. And uh, it's almost like... The passage of Christ into the world of the dead left such a wide open space that the saints just began to pop out through that entrance. (laughs) And we don't know how many there were. There is a belief that everybody who believed from Genesis to that moment of crucifixion, whoever had come to a justification by grace through faith, because it was possible, although it wasn't yet preached, It wasn't yet inaugurated as a covenant. It was how uh, Enoch walked. It is how um, uh, Cain and Abel were separated. By faith, the Bible says, Abel brought a better sacrifice than his brother Cain. So it was grace through faith. So I believe one of the people walking in Jerusalem that day was Cain, or rather Abel. (laughs) And Enoch. And Abraham and, and Jacob. Who knows? I'm, I'm stretching this. But the Bible says the saints were raised. Saints were raised from the grave. And they appeared to many people. I'm trying to get that verse out so that you can go read Matthew 27, 50 to 54. The, 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 the bodies of the saints, gra- graves were smashed open. The saints were raised and they appeared to many people. Mass resurrection, we don't know how many. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, Acts chapter 9, Tabitha, or Dorcas is raised from the dead by the apostle Peter. Tabitha, Docas, was known for great works, ministry of mercy, and generosity in her generation. And... Uh, When she died, her body was washed and put in the upper room. And then message was sent to Peter to come and help. And Peter prayed. We don't know how long he prayed. But after he prayed, he got up and spoke to Dorcas. And Dorcas rose from the dead and was alive again because God raises the dead. This is the point I'm making. The resurrection of Jesus doesn't have to be contested because it's predated by many other resurrections. And finally, uh, that was Acts 9.36. We finally have Acts 20, verse 7 to 12, the resurrection of Eutychus. Eutychus was is a dozyus, uh, sleepy Christian sitting in a window, which should have been the last place he should sit. But, <laughs> but to not blame Eutychus. The Bible says Paul spoke on a lot, and it was at night, and he talked too long. And Brother Eutychus began to worship Jesus uh, with the nodding of the head. And he slept and fell out of the window. Two stories fell, and when they got to him, he was dead. And the Bible says that um, um, Saul, Paul, cast himself upon him, and God raised him from the dead. Ten witnesses. In the scriptures, my friends, that God raises the dead. The Bible says God raises the dead and calls things that are not as though they are. Romans 4 verse 17. God gives life to the dead and calls things that do not exist as though they did. Amen. That's Romans 4 17. Resurrection goes beyond uh, the mere return to life of those that have actually deceased. It speaks of God's intervention in our lives to turn dead situations around. If he can raise biological beings like us, then he can raise circumstances and scenarios. And Jesus, in his 33 years of earthly ministry, went around healing the sick, resurrecting livers, resurrecting kidneys, resurrecting all kinds of dead organs as the sick began to rejoice before him. People who were paralyzed, people who had lost all mortality began to move their limbs again because God raises the dead. God raises the dead. I speak it over you, my friends, that God raises the dead. And this Easter, we ask God to quicken our mortal bodies and we'll get back there. But God raises the dead. May God invade your life with life. May God invade the chambers of our lives with this supernatural intervention, destroying the power of death and quickening life again into our spheres of influence, into our family life, into our marriages, into our careers, into all kinds of scenarios. God raises the dead. Jesus' resurrection is a permanent testimony that God raises the dead. I speak in Jesus' name prophetically to organs in your body that are malfunctioning. May they work again. May resurrection power quicken them because God raises the dead. You see where we're going, friends? God raises the dead. And so Acts 26 verse 8 as well says, For this hope's sake, and this is Paul testifying to King Agrippa, Acts 26, 8. For this hope's sake, hmm? for this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. I am accused by the Jews. And then he says, Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Why are you perplexed and surprised to hear that God raises the dead? He does. It is no mystery, King Agrippa, that God raises the dead. Ezekiel 37, if you remember from verse 1 to 3, God takes uh, uh, Ezekiel the prophet to a mass grave. Now there's a debate on whether this grave, not even a grave, it wasn't buried. People were just in in a, it's a mass grave, but it's an open mass grave. And we do not know whether it was an actual valley in Israel or whether it was a vision. But God is asking Ezekiel, can these bones live? In all the resurrection stories we read, these were people raised back to life. Uh, After a few, at least a few days' death, definitely Jesus was three days dead. Um, uh, The the children in in, uh, the Old Testament were were probably just uh, one or so days dead. Uh, Lazarus was three days dead. But here is a valley of dry bones. <laughs> we don't know how many years had passed. Yeah. And the principle stands, whether this is literal or whether it's a vision, the principle stands that God raises the dead. And God asked Ezekiel the prophet, the hand of the Lord brought me, brought me out of the, in the spirit of God and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. So decay and putrefaction have happened. All tissue is gone. What is left? his bones. Move to the next verse, verse 2. And he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in an open valley and indeed they were very dry. And then the question comes, next verse, um, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? (laughs) What a question. Son of man, can these bones live? (laughs) Ezekiel Says, you know, Lord, I actually don't have a clue. I've read about resurrection stories, but in those ones, those guys had died, but their bodies were still there. These are bones. Not only are they bones, they are dismembered. They are scattered. They are mixed up. A skull was carried off by a hyena or a jackal. And and there's a mixed up situation. I do not have a clue. You are God Almighty. But this one beats me. God says, "I'll, I'll show you that God raises the dead. I have power to raise the dead. And he said, you speak and I'll go to work. And as Ezekiel prophesies, a skull begins to run looking for its neck bone. <laughs> and arms and, and wrists. It was quite a dramatic sight. As bones become alive under the power of the Holy Spirit and begin to connect, head bone connected to the neck bone and neck bone connected to the shoulder bone. You know the song. <laughs> And finally, it was a valley of skeletons and then God said "Prophesy," and then the, the organs are formed and then the tissue comes and forms and then the, um, the um, skin forms. I wonder what resurrection day will be like. Because when you consider it, the Bible speaks of Christ being the first fruits of the resurrection. We'll see that in a moment. Jesus' resurrection was a prophetic declaration of what God will do with you and me. Mm. Yeah, it was a prophetic de- demonstration and forerunning, the first fruits of what will happen across the globe. And I believe uh, this is also uh, part of the, the, the story of Ezekiel, points to an amazing miracle of resurrection. How will people who have died, and some of us, some people die and their body parts are scattered all over the world. Some organs are donated. <laughs> How will resurrection happen? The word of the Lord shall go forth. This time it won't be a prophet prophesying. The Lord himself shall give a command from the heavens. And neck bone and head bone and shoulder bone will begin to reconnect. Biological processes will reverse across timelines which are vast and we shall reconstitute and everyone shall gather before the lord with their body to give account for how we lived our life on this earth god did it for jesus demonstrates it in the valley of ezekiel that he raises the dead i need to hurry on and close my case uh, in time i hope you're hearing me friends If Christ is risen, then what? If Christ is risen, then those who believe in Jesus also will be raised from the dead. Mm. If Christ is risen, those who have believed in him and put their hope in him and formed a faith union with him, we shall rise, my friends, from the dead. We shall rise again like he did. So 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20 says, as I was quoting earlier, but now Christ is risen from the dead and he has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So resurrections may have happened before and resurrections may have happened after. But Jesus' resurrection was the first fruits of the rising from the dead with a quickened body, a quickened body, which must now appear before the Lord. And Jesus is the first fruits of that. My friends, you will rise again if you go before Christ returns. We shall all be raised if we are not caught up to meet him in the air. And so that's the second consequence here. If Christ has been risen, we too shall rise from the dead. Mm. And John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus speaks to, um, I think it, it was Martha, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Though he may die, he shall live. And this uh, weekend, we, we want to celebrate and, and remember those that have gone ahead of us in Christ. And today I will announce it before we, we close, for us to celebrate two lives, two precious lives that have crossed to eternity. But my friends, Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet he will live. So death does happen to believers, but it's not the end. There is life after the grave. Number three, if Christ is risen, if Christ is risen, Number three, his resurrection power will quicken our mortal bodies. This is the teaching of scripture. If he is risen, that resurrection power did not just stop with him. That resurrection power is available to the believer. And this is Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. If the spirit of him, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now this is not speaking about the ultimate resurrection where God will give us life again. This is speaking about God's ongoing presence in our lives and its power to infuse life to these decaying bodies. And, and it, it does happen. Uh, many times I've met people uh, who have found the Lord, and you can see that even their bodies have been changed. We know that uh, Moses, because of his encounters with God, lives a full life. We know that uh, Joshua and Caleb, even at age 80, because of the presence of God, testify that they are still as strong as they used to be. Friends, we need to get serious concerning activating The resurrection power of Christ in us before we die. There is a working of the resurrection power of Jesus in our lives. There it is. Christ has risen from the dead. But his spirit, the spirit of resurrection which raised him from the dead, is in us. Oh, oh, oh. The very same power that regenerated his biology. That (laughs) Re, re, <laughs> relaunched his being. Can you imagine what happens to the body over three days, especially the kind of death that Jesus died? You remember from the graphic pictures of of that passion movie how he was beaten and his body was opened out; his skin was ripped off, and all kinds of of microorganisms would have entered him, and he would have died a painful death, and we know that he would have putrefied three days in a hot, usually hot weather, in in that damp um, grave that he was put in. The power of God the Holy Spirit, the resurrection life of God entered him and reversed every biological process, not even just merely reversed it, but upgraded it. (laughs) Not only did he reverse as he did for Lazarus, he reversed the the decay. But for Jesus' resurrection, he didn't because Lazarus dies again, but Jesus is risen never to die. So the power of God, restores his biology, and upgrades it. May God do the same for us. (laughs) May God reverse for some of you right now who are believing God for healing in your body. Please understand, yes, doctors have their role, but God says, I am the Lord that heals you because it's the Lord who creates the medical products that people use and manipulate for healing of diseases. But the very presence of God is in us, my friends. May he activate and reactivate your body organs. May he resurrect and sustain our biological beings. May he destroy the power of cancer cells and all kinds of invasions that come into our bodies. May he destroy the the influence of COVID. If anybody hearing me has been fighting that, may God contend with what contends against you. May God raise again to life the things that have been dying in us. God Almighty, we sanction ourselves to you. We separate ourselves to you. And we today, on this Easter Sunday, activate resurrection power in us because it's the same power that raised you from the grave, that is inhabiting us, not for two seconds a day, but constantly in us. Holy Spirit, will you work inside of us and rejuvenate us, rejuvenate us from inside out, resurrection power, rejuvenate us, make us strong that we may testify, make our bones strong, praying for our beloved, praying for our daughter, we know. I don't have to go into specifics or names, but some of you know uh, one of our daughters who extended family of LCF who is contesting against cancer beyond chemotherapy, beyond radiotherapy. May the hand of God stretch out into that situation and reverse that situation. May the very power that raised Jesus from the grave, may that power quicken her mortal body, quicken her bones, quicken her brain, quicken her abdominal area, and areas doctors don't know. God Almighty, extend our lives, not merely for earthly tenure, but the testimony may go forth of your love and glory, and that we may not die before our time. Because you live, we too shall live. I hope you're hearing me, God's people. If Jesus died, then his resurrection power will quicken our mortal bodies according to Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. Friends, I testify of God's mercy over my little body here. And how he has doctored me over many years. How he has preserved me. I testified some time ago. Some of these things we take for granted. I testified some time ago of pain that I carried for a whole year. Getting worse and worse. And me thinking, no, no, I'm going to pray about this. And it just wasn't going away. Finally, I made a booking with the doctor. I said, I have to see my doctor because I just give up. It's too much. From the moment I called the clinic to say, I need to see the doctor. The pain began to go. <laughs> said, God! I don't know what, what what the point is here. Sometimes when you give things a uh, focus, it activates resurrection power. And uh, so God works many times with doctors. I went to the doctor. By the time I, I arrived there, feeling like a fool because uh, what I had booked for had vanished. I had only perhaps one percent <laughs> discomfort. And when the doctor looked at me, said, "Mr. Saranga." You are a very healthy man. You just need a bit more vitamin D (laughs) in your blood. (laughs) And uh, I just thank God for protection and for healing that comes from the resurrection power of Jesus. And I release that to you as well this morning, this afternoon, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Uh, Philippians 3.10. And I need to accelerate here and finish in good time. Philippians 3.10, I love this in the Amplified, so I don't know, I don't think Marvin has the Amplified, I'll read it. And this, he says, so that I may know him, that I may know him, let's first read it in the original writing, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul Mm -hmm. is saying, I want to know Jesus, but not just him, I want to connect with the power that extracted him out of the grave. I want to experience, because the word know there is experiential, and he's saying, "I want to know Jesus. He's in my heart. He's in my. I've given my life to Him, but I want this thing to go experiential. I want it to go beyond a justification by faith. I want it to go into experience. I want to know Him and that force which extracted Him out of the grave and made Him walk again. And this time, He was walking through walls and the fellowship of His sufferings." being conformed to his death. Uh, next verse, I think. Is there another verse there? Did I give you? Okay, just, just that. Okay, I'll read longer in the Amplified. It says that I may know him experientially, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely, <laughs> and In the same way, experience the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in believers. (laughs) I love that so much. It overflows and is active in believers, the power of his resurrection. And that I may share the fellowship of his sufferings. I, I will stop there. I just want to challenge you, friends that we, we are not just carrying the Holy Spirit, we are carrying the resurrection power of Christ in us every day. And we need to invoke it. We need to activate it. And Paul is making it a pursuit. Later, you see, he says, I count everything as loss. That's how he started. Everything else is a distraction because my focus is on this. I want to know and unlock him and his glorious resurrection active in my life. Number four, let me move on quickly. If Christ is risen, we must believe in him and testify of him. The Bible says, Acts 4.33, we must believe in him and testify of him. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The testimony of Christ is not complete without resurrection. If he had been born gloriously as he was, with angels singing and wise men coming, and then he had walked the earth those three and a half years, healing diseases, raising the dead, opening blind eyes, making cripples walk, paralytics walking, and then got arrested and crucified and died, and resurrection did not happen, there would be no gospel to preach. There would be nothing... To testify about the testimony of a Christian is not merely that Jesus died for us. No, he didn't just die for us. He rose again. And his resurrection is what triggers the testimony because he has triumphed over the grave. He has triumphed over the grave. So the witness of the early church, according to Acts chapter 33, was they witnessed to the resurrection of the Lord. Otherwise, to the Jews, he was just a nice prophet who healed many sick people and then died and went the ordinary way. No, 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 no. This is not just a prophet. This is the very Son of God. And he died and rose again by his own power, by the very same power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And great grace was upon them as they testify of this. Friends, we need to testify of resurrection, but testimony comes out of personal experience. Jesus was raised from the dead, but we sense his resurrection power. We sense it. We feel it. We walk in it. It has brought us back from death. We are alive towards God. Yeah. Now, 1 Corinthians 15 says, moreover, brethren, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. I declare to you the gospel. Oh uh, Wait, uh, do you have that? 1 Corinthians 15. No? Okay. No. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. What is it? Which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you stand. Continue. By which also we are saved. If you hold fast, what word which I preached to you? Unless you believed in vain. <laughs> I'm distracted right there. We have to hold fast, yeah? <laughs> Yeah, continue to verse 3. Let me not get distracted. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Number one. Number two. Continue. And that he was buried. Number three. And that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Continue and that he was seen. You see, it's one thing to claim that somebody was raised. Was he seen? (laughs) He was seen by Cephas. Or Cephas. This is Paul, I mean Peter. Then by the twelve. Continue. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to be present, but some have fallen asleep. Jesus my friends, was raised from the dead with evidence. And he appeared to those that uh, loved him. Christ has come. Christ has died. Christ has risen. And Christ shall return. Usually they push three. I push four. The incarnation was a miracle. Yeah? The substitution was a miracle. The death on the cross. And then the resurrection was a miracle and then the ascension, and then the return. My friends, he is alive. Finally, if Christ has been raised from the dead, then we must raise the dead. According to Matthew 10, verse 8, I wanted to hide away from this verse, but it's there. Because resurrections predate Christ's resurrection. And even after he is raised from the dead, we see other resurrection miracles. Now I need to close. But according to Matthew 10 and verse 8, we are commissioned. We are commissioned. Heal the sick, cleanse lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. I knew I wouldn't have been a genuine preacher if I did not stick in. This very uncomfortable verse, that part of our Christian witness, as we testify of a resurrected Savior, puts us in the crossroads concerning the raising of the dead. Now, I'm not saying that we are going to go and empty mortuaries, but according to the scriptures and according to the commission of the church, the resurrection of the dead is part of the mission of the church. In many different ways. Spiritual death, yes. Spiritual death is our first challenge. We must preach the gospel because, my friends, our world is dying. People are dying and going into a Christless eternity. And our mission to raise the dead, first of all, must address the challenge of people who are dying Christlessly. and need to hear the gospel. By people who are experiencing resurrection life and want the world to hear and know. The truth that God raises the dead and calls things that are not as though they are. But also, we are challenged to pray for all kinds of dead situations to be turned around. Raising of the dead. Now, I must say as a caveat, again, when I say raise the dead, I'm I'm not saying we're going to go and stop every funeral. Jesus, as we saw in all his ministry, how many resurrections did he do? Did we read three? There were two of them, the, 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 the widow's child, Lazarus, and the guy uh, in the coffin. There were three miracles of resurrection. Jesus did not raise everybody in Jerusalem. <laughs> so it wasn't a show of power. It wasn't about less empty every mortuary, just a demonstration of power. But God's name must be glorified and say, well, there will be scenarios where God will put you and I in a scenario where literally what we are praying for is a resurrection. God raises the dead this Easter. I want to challenge you, friends, that Christ is risen beyond doubt and is calling us to embrace resurrection life as part of our experience and walk in life. May God bless you this Easter time. May God comfort those that are grieving. May God resurrect uh, those things that he decrees are alive and Satan has wanted to kill them. We honor you Father, we thank you. We confirm again this morning that Jesus is alive, is alive in us, He's alive in our homes, is alive in our hearts. We ask that activation of resurrection power to flow in and through us. if Christ has ra- risen from the dead, then God raises the dead. If Christ is risen. From the dead, then we shall be raised from the dead. If Christ is risen from the dead. Then His resurrection power will quicken our mortal bodies. If Christ is risen from the dead, we will witness of that to those around us. And if Christ is risen from the dead, we shall believe for resurrection miracles. And God's people say, "Amen and Amen."